Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and in each episode of Inside Books we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms and our Twitter handle is at Inside Books I-R-E, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is Paul Perry, an award-winning poet and novelist. He's co-authored four psychological thrillers under the pseudonym Karen Perry and he's also won the Hennessy Prize for Irish Literature and directs the creative writing programme at UCD. Paul's latest novel is called The Garden. Paul, in one way it's your first novel, but it's actually not your first novel, so that must be really strange. Yeah, it's strange in a way. I I suppose for uh, seven years I co-authored four Karen Perry novels and uh, that was a collaboration between uh, two authors and an editorial team. There's always an editorial team in the background. But I suppose I'd always had the ambition to write um, my own novel. And when we decided to uh, end the Karen Perry project, um, I dove straight into writing my own novel. And thoroughly enjoyed it by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, there was something liberating about relying on your own imaginative powers. Um, and I was excited by that and I was ready for it as well. I was um, I was ready for that challenge of relying on my own, my own, uh, you know, powers of imagination. So, yeah, it was challenging and exciting. Great. Well, before we, we talk more about it, let's go go right back because you started with poetry. What drew you to poetry? Um, I, I don't know. Um, maybe um, poetry chooses you. Um, you know, as a schoolboy, I was excited by the work of John Donne and T.S. Eliot. And I started to pen my own poems. Uh, particularly were you, were you the only Leaving Cert student who loved the poetry aspect in English? Was that it? I did, I did love the poetry <laughs> aspects. I, I, you know, when I first read, uh, John Donne was on our Leaving Cert cycle. And when I first read batter my heart three person god it just blew my mind i just thought it was fantastic um and i love the kind of formal arrangement of poetry and the rhythm and cadences and musicality of language so i was drawn to that and i started writing poems and my english teacher uh linda golden was very encouraging and during transition year she'd read and comment and encourage me and I think that's where it all started. And did you like music as well? Because we have found on Inside Books that some sort of poets and, and authors have said that they love, the, as you said, the musicality of music and that translates into poetry. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I think, um, you know, my kids would laugh at me now because, you know, myself and my wife, you know, when any hits from the 1980s come on the radio, we're delighted, you know, we're kind of defined by that music. I remember the first LP I bought was Hazel O'Connor's Breaking Glass. But I had, you know, I, I mean, I was also, I also remember going to see Yehudi Menuhin at the National Concert Hall, and my wife was actually a violinist. So I think they are sister arts, so to speak. Um, there, there's, there's a lot to learn from music. Um, and one of those things is really just l- listening, developing an ear. And um, as you develop an ear for language, um, you find that there is a certain skill and craft to forging an appealing and attractive sentence or line in poetry. 
And what reaction did you get when you were telling people, shall we say, that you were writing poetry? What reaction did I get? Um, Because you were quite young when you started, wasn't it? Yeah, and I I started a literary uh, magazine in school um, called Deluge, and I wrote under a pseudonym. So I I suppose, uh, you know, um, I kind of hid uh, some of that identity. Um, But really, to be honest, you know, teachers were encouraging um, classmates were indifferent. And then I suppose when you get to college, it's a whole different ball game again. And I went to Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island, and there was a really thriving, avant-garde, experimental literary community there. So if you wrote poems, you were not unusual. Um, it was not an unusual thing to do. In fact, you became known as the poet then, and there were other artists and musicians, and it was a really lively, um, really creative community to be a part of. And I think you've said before as well that Brown really helped you cultivate that 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 love of, of literature. Well, it did. And I mean, the, the infrastructure in their education system is such that you can take creative writing classes. So my very first year, I took a creative writing class at Michael Harper, the great poet, sadly passed away now, and C.D. Wright. And they really just opened up worlds of literature for me and broadened my horizons and got me to write things I probably wouldn't have written before and introduced me to writers that were new to me. And really, I suppose, just accelerated my education as a reader and a writer. Had you decided at that point that you were going to make your living out of out of this as a career or did you think it was always going to be a side hustle? No, I think I think I was pretty single minded about it. Um, It's definitely what I wanted to do. And I suppose at that time, we're talking the early 1990s, it was about figuring out how to do that. And certainly it is a challenge for any artist in any art form to uh, to balance the uh making a living and making the art um so i saw a lot of writers continuing in education with the support of writing programs and then i saw those writers become teachers um so i you know so i saw that this was a trajectory which i could take um i could educate myself i could learn how to teach the craft to myself and also to others. And so that was, I mean, you know, looking back, it sounds simple. Um, and there were lots of detours along the way. And I think, you know, life experience is important too. You can't live a closeted life in a classroom and expect to be a successful and or interesting writer. So I certainly lived as well. And how long did it take to get published then? Well, I suppose in college, you know, we were running our own literary magazines. Um, We were submitting to magazines in other universities. And, um, you know, I started placing poems as a student. Um, And then I I went on to postgraduate study and we continue to run magazines, journals, send out work. So, yeah, I was start to place poems as a student. And then after graduated, I placed my first um, book with salmon poetry, actually. And was it hard to get that deal or, or was it fairly straightforward? Well, uh, I mean, it's a it's a process, right? It takes time. Um, I think 
I think really the you know the years of learning your crafts, even learning how to make a submission, and then receiving rejections, trying again. So that that all takes time. That takes years. Um, before I placed my first short story with the New Irish Writing page, the Hennessy Awards, as it was um, in 1998. I had sent several stories to them and they had been rejected and rejected. And I, I suppose I was just persistent. I was reading Colin McCann. I was reading Joseph O'Connor and I had aspirations to be published. So I just kept at it. And winning the Hennessy Prize then again, that must have been fantastic considering you had been so tenacious and it took quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I was still, you know, I was still only 26 at this stage. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I was living in Houston, Texas at the time, and I flew back, picked up the award. And it was it was just an amazing feeling, it gave me such a boost. It also opened doors. I did end up having to spend half the prize money on a missed connection uh, <laughs> back to the States. Um, but that, you know, that again is instructive, you know, as my wife says, um, Easy go, easy go. That's it, exactly. Um, but it was, it was, it was really, it was a watermark in my life as a writer. So, as we said, you know, you started with poetry, you, you won the, the, the Hennessy Award, but then you seemed to jump straight into writing psychological thrillers. I mean, that was a, a pretty big leap. What happened there? Yeah, that was just a kind of a, a detour, an experiment um, with uh, Karen Galise. We, we were we were talking one evening and we decided to try to write a novel together um a kind of a spontaneous idea and one particular day i um i was in town and i saw this helicopter and there was a there was uh, snow and i went home and wrote the first chapter sent it to karen she sent it back and very quickly we'd written a novel within six months really and and very quickly we placed that with a publisher and it was translated um, and then we were offered another contract for another book and before I knew it we were writing about we'd written four books so it was not the plan but I suppose by the end of that fourth book I thought okay that's that's enough now. I need to move on. New challenge, new chapter, try something else. And in terms of that collaboration, I mean, how did you make it work? Was it you wrote one chapter, she wrote another chapter or did one person write it and somebody else edited it? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, for that first novel, um, which is probably still my favourite, The Boy That Never Was, um, it's told by um, a husband and wife. So I wrote the husband's uh, chapters and then Karen wrote the the wife's chapters um, and we kept the story going like that and then after we'd finished we'd go back and revise each other's chapters so it was a collaboration in that sense were there many rows um <laughs> we had we had many disagreements many many disagreements but i think that's um you know that's part of the process and it's probably a good thing if you weren't if you weren't disagreeing or arguing about plot points or character traits i don't think you I don't think you would have succeeded in creating a kind of a tense atmosphere within the book. And did you find, you know, were you sort of so in tune with each other that there wasn't that much changing going on? As in, when you got her chapters, you didn't end up changing or editing too much or likewise with her or were there lots of changes? Um, I think there were plenty of changes, yeah. Um, You know, from minor details to major 
structural plot shifts. I, you know, I think I think it was pretty constant. The the flow, the dialogue, the chopping and changing, um, and that that was a really interesting process. I mean, I learned a lot from it. I learned a, a lot about how fluid and the narrative of a novel can be, um, and to not not be afraid to make changes. Um, that it's not written in stone uh, until it's until it's you know in a, in a, in a book between the covers of a book. That actually um, the freedom to change work is is a positive, empowering thing. Actually, and on that basis, then, so had you did you both sit down and develop a plot at the start and work towards that, or did you just start blind? Uh, we start we started blind i mean again with that first novel we started just with two characters we started uh we placed them in uh tangier we thought about what who they were and then what was that you know fundamental premise and let's go from there um so really it wasn't plotted out um like a diagram no so four books later, uh, all hugely successful, I might add. Um, how did you decide then, either of you or both of you, that you wanted to go in another direction? Well, I suppose it felt to me that it had run its course and we were offered another contract. And I just thought, well, I could be doing this for the next 10 years. And I feel like I've got some really good writing in me um, over the next while. And I also, you know, selfishly, I wanted to put my own imaginative um, life um, into my own work and not have those discussions or arguments um, and and kind of make the decisions myself. So in some ways it was a selfish decision. Um, And I think, you know, I always thought of the Karen Perry project as an experiment and not like a lifelong vocation. So I wanted to come back. I wanted to write about Miami and Florida, where I'd lived for three years, and the image of this orchid, this ghost orchid, which I'd written about in a book of poems called The Orchid Keeper in 2006, um, it hadn't left me that image. So I wanted to build a story around that time, the time, a time in my life which was incredibly, um, you know, incredibly important to me. Um, and then to write, I suppose, my own story about that time. And before we go on to the garden, actually, I'm just curious because, because Karen is still writing under the the name Karen Perry. Um, have you read the novels that she's read or she's written on her own? Actually, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Not out of any, uh, you know, for no good reason other than I suppose I've been preoccupied um, with my own work. And, and writing my own my own uh, novels. And then coming on to your your own novel, your your solo novel under the name uh, Paul Perry, and it's it's called The Garden. And again, it's it's I found it very exotic, Paul, I suppose, and just hugely ambitious as well in terms of being set in Florida and talking about something like an exquisite and exotic orchid. You know, it felt like it's a world away from the psychological thrillers. Was that on purpose? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I I definitely wanted to write something different. And I did send the manuscript to Liz Nugent, who is a crime writer, as you know. And she wrote back and said, Paul, this is great. But, you know, it's not a crime novel. Right. (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, I'm I'm delighted to hear that. I wanted to write something um, that was informed by the lyric line that I had learned in poetry, but that also had a great kind of readability. 
like I wanted to write a gripping yarn uh, as well as make it a kind of beautiful melodic piece of writing. Um, and Florida, as I said to you, I mean, I lived there for three years and it, it is a tropical landscape. It's a completely foreign landscape to the one that I grew up in, in Dublin. Uh, and it's one that I thought was rife for dramatic scenarios. And you can feel that, you know, bouncing off the page, but also the 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 topics that you're dealing with as well, you know, again, quite varied climate change, class differences, racism, obviously topics you feel quite strongly about, I'd say. Well, sure. I mean, I, I you know, um, uh, I, I feel like everyone is. I mean, th- those kind of issues about the environment or about race um, are in the newspapers and on in the headlines every day of our lives, right? So, you, I mean, as a novelist, you can't ignore that. But by the same token, again, I, I would start with a character in a place who is confronted with a challenge. Um, how is this character going to change? And the world that he lives in is a world that is threatened environmentally and that there are conflicts and clashes between races. Um, One of the things I experienced when I lived in Florida was this melting pot of cultures, Um, but not always the most uh, sympathetic melting pot. You saw conflict um, between races within race races as well so i mean these are just things as a writer if you you know look out the window walk down the street um you're going to experience them and so they become part of the fabric of the novel and you're obviously reflecting on your own experiences of 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 living and working there nearly what 20 odd years ago um but you do have an irish man at the center of the action in the book as well yeah so swallow is the protagonist the lead character and he is an Irishman adrift, I suppose, uh, displaced from his homeland in Ireland. He's found himself in Florida after having been um, in the US military, which I kind of took from my brother. My older brother uh, signed up um, as I was when I was a student in the States. He was working, going from city to city, job to job, and ended up visiting me in Providence, Rhode Island. And during that visit, he signed up for the U.S. Marines, which he could do back then without a green card. And um, so I kind of took his experience as a as somebody who was in the U.S. military and, and put it with my character, Swallow. How long did it take you to write it? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I suppose the short answer to that is uh, two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, as I mentioned, you know, that idea of Florida, the orchid, the experience I spent living there was, I suppose, gestating over the years. And really, as a writer, you're looking to access that experience and to dramatize it. And so in many ways, I would say it took it took all that time to write the novel, but it came, I suppose, it crystallized in the last two years where I really went at it and and finished it. On that basis, I was going to say, did you plot it? But, you know, going back to your Karen Perry experience, then you said you sort of went in in blind. So this was more percolating, really, before you probably sat down. I think so. I think I think it was percolating. Um, And I certainly wrote the early drafts in a very kind of free flowing way. And that involved, you know, you know, characters that were then 
jettisoned and time frames that were reordered um so that i suppose you know having written a screenplay or two you learn a lot about structure um so the the free flowing writing is great but then you're you are looking at how has your character changed from the beginning to the end and where is that three act structure so it is it's built into a good story uh, regardless of whether you can see it as the reader so how did you find writing on your own well it was great i mean just you know again just to go back to the kind of um the musicality of language and 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 listening you're really i was relying on my own ear um so that was incredibly liberating and i'm writing a story which um even though it's not auto fiction or autobiographical i feel like it's it, I'm part of this story and it's part of my life. So in that sense, um, it was exciting. It was empowering. And um, I had I had at the best time writing this book. And actually, you know, it's worth mentioning that the team at New Island who, who published the novel were fantastic from the commissioning editor who sat down and had this really um global conversation about the novel and the kind of issues that you've brought up to the really forensic um editing from the assistant editor Stephen Reed. I mean that was a fascinating and rigorous and challenging and really exciting process as well. Was it different the editing process from the Karen Perry books? It was different um, because it was it was just me. <laughs> so um, so there was less uh, less of a filter or a discussion. And I suppose also New Island encouraged me um, to step away from the genre, to step away from any formula. Um, I mean, in the Karen Perry books, you know, embedded within the contracts uh, was 90,000 words is what you have to aim for. Um, New Island said, write whatever you want. It can be as long or short as you want. Take it, risks, experiment, make it the best story that you can make it. And um, so that was that, you know, so they that sense of trust um, was really important. What genre would you put it into? Um, it has been described as a literary novel, mm. um, and and I'm I'm okay with that. I mean, I I you know a little bit of me feels that a term like that is bandied about, especially in Irish letters, a little too liberally, and it, it can put readers off, right? Because it sounds elitist. Um, but when you write a novel that um, is outside of genre and it's not a straight crime novel. It's it's not a coming of age novel. It is interested in language as much as it is interested in how characters relate to one another and whether they'll reach their goals or not. Um, I think it's fair to say it's a literary novel. I mean, you know, I, the generosity of somebody like Sebastian Barry or Anne Enright um, describing it uh, means to me that, you know, a label like a literary genre is secondary to this is a really good book and i you know i'm i'm just uh delighted that i have the approval of my peers saying look it's a great read and let the critics decide what it is and that's what it's all about at the end of the day a great read that's what readers readers want what are you working on at the moment i am working on another novel actually um what i'd like to write 
um, is a, a sequel to The Garden, um, but a standalone sequel. So by that, I mean not all the characters that you have come across in The Garden will appear in the next book, um, but there will be uh, cameos, if you like, and there will be the same landscape, uh, and it will have it will have similarities in its style, I think. And interestingly, again, you know, it's based in Florida. So is there a target audience in the United States for this book? I think so. I mean, um, you know, I've been contacted um, by a lot of readers um, in the States who are eager to read the book. And I also had friends from Florida read early drafts just to kind of correct any inaccuracies in, in my memory um, because the novel is pre-digital. I've said it in the 90s. Um, so I, I have asked um, some friends to read it. And I think, yes, there's an appetite there. Um, it's, it's a, it, you know, it's, it's a novel set in America, but told by an Irish person. So, I mean, there, there's plenty of us. <laughs> <laughs> Putting a Miley. And I assume you're still writing lots of poetry. I'm writing poetry. Um, I suppose I haven't had a full collection out for um, seven years. I've had two uh, smaller publications, um, but there is a book on its way next year. Um, and that will be kind of a collection of the last seven years of my poetry work. Yes. And Paul, before I let you go, you also, you know, as we mentioned at the outset, you direct the creative writing programme at UCD. What does that involve? Um, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a great programme, right? It's been going... Um, uh, since about 2006, and James Ryan was the director and the founder of the program. Um, what it involves is um, selecting a cohort onto our master's program of writers who we think have got great potential. Um, and what we have found over the last number of years is that they they fulfill that potential with our help. So I've got great colleagues in Anne Enright and Sarah Moss and Ian Davidson and Declan Hughes and uh, Paula McGrath. So there's a great creative writing team who are really successful writers in their own right and passionate about teaching. And so we also started a, a BA in English with creative writing. And, um, you know, that's going from strength to strength. And those uh, those budding writers are producing their own creative writing journals and writing their own stories and poems. And um, we are just trying to enable them and to facilitate the, the talent and potential that we think they have. It must be very rewarding for you, I suppose, when you think back to your own college days where you end up going abroad to immerse yourself in, in a literary community to know that that is available here and now for anybody who's interested in writing anything, really. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I mean, we still have a, you know, the class is has an international makeup. And I think that's really important. Diversity is really important to the programme. But it's also great, you know, if you are from Dublin or if you are from Galway or Limerick or Cork or Belfast, that you can come and study in what is a world-class programme in, uh, you know, a city which has such a literary heritage um, you know, with connections with the Museum of Literature Ireland and Dublin being a UNESCO city of literature. I think it's a great place to to study creative writing. And, I, you know, I feel very lucky to be part of, of that programme. 
Paul Perry, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find Paul's book, The Garden, online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Breda Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.